I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of the Broadcast. As usual, my co-host with the most, it's G. What's going on? What up, Mike? What's what's going on with you? You know what? I'm back in the land of the living. Um, about, well, a couple of days ago, I had my first shot of the COVID vaccine. And man, whilst I feel protected and I feel, you know, fully and um, I would say uh, reassured that it's going to work its magic. Um, it did leave me feeling a little bit out of sorts. It left me feeling really, really lethargic. I was running hot and cold, running a fever. And uh, apparently that's just um, the side, side effects. effects of the actual vaccine. But I feel great now. I feel well and truly rested. And um, I caught up with all of the fights this morning. So I'm good. How about yourself? What's going on in, in your world? Oh, so funny, Mike. We got vaccinated around the same time. I just got my first dose of Pfizer. And I feel great, except like my I can't move my left arm. Like that's my only side effect. So I'll take a dead arm over coronavirus any day. So... <laughs> well, well, same here, and, and I think it does. There, that does seem to be a running theme with the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is the one that I had. Mm. Um, all the symptoms that I've just described to you there, everybody who I know who has had it has had exactly the same um, symptoms. But anybody who's had the Pfizer vaccine, exactly like you, all they've had is a dead arm, if that. So it looks like you know AstraZeneca is kind of like the poor cousin. But look, like you say. <laughs> Um, I'd rather the poor cousin than, you know, obviously um, the, the risk yeah. of um, contracting or actually, you know, succumbing to COVID-19. So we move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know something, S- speaking, speaking of um, immunity, I, I have to say I was my, my body had a shock last night <laughs> in terms of, of of the card I watched the um, prelims before I turned in early for the night just to make sure I was 100% for the podcast but what I saw I have to say incredible in the time-honored fashion we're gonna pick two that uh, actually you know struck out in our minds and um, you know again in the time-honored fashion I, I think ladies should go first well thank you mike for allowing me to go first i would like to discuss alonzo menifield versus fabio charant and let me okay let me tell you mike this there's really not a lot to recap here it's really quick so <laughs> um alonzo we know is from like the contender series he was a pup that was developing on that show right before our very eyes and his style is basically to come forward power puncher strong ass brute okay and he's a lot of fun and the majority of his wins are by ko mike he's built like a stallion mm. as well 
but he's on a two-fight losing streak. So he's, you know, he's got his back against the wall here. He was supposed to fight, I forget his name, but another powerhouse like him. So he got like a late replacement in Fabio Charant. I have no idea who this Haitian man is. I've never heard mm -hmm. of him. I tried to do a little fight research. All I saw was that he fought in the LFA and in some other organizations I am not familiar with. And he was that last minute replacement. And Mike, you know what I say. When a UFC fighter that is, you know, a veteran has had, you know, he's rolling this year with fights, get somebody that you're not aware of, you go out there and you kill him with that fastball down the middle, you knock it right out the park, and that's what he did. He went across the cage, he put this man's back against the cage immediately, rushed in yeah. and put his ass down on the ground. But here's where things got interesting. And also shout out to Joe Rogan <laughs> for breaking things down. When Alonzo yeah. went for that takedown, you notice that he stuck his head out and Fabio jumped on his neck for that guillotine, which was mm. the right thing to do. But Fabio made a rookie mistake when he held on to it, which allowed Alonzo to get into perfect position for the Von Flu choke and allow him to put all his pressure on Fabio's neck. And I just said that Alonzo's built like a stallion. That's the last person you want putting all their pressure on your damn neck. And Fabio had to the tap. Amount times, Go ahead. The amount of times that uh, O. Vincent Prue has actually pulled off that Von Flu choke, they should just rename the choke, really. It should be the OSP choke. No, really. I mean, how many times has he pulled it <laughs> off? It's obviously his speciality. Yeah. But Alonzo, you know, he lost to OSP, so I guess he decided to taunt him and win in OSP fashion. Yeah. But here's my question for you in, in regards to this fight, Mike. Did you hear mm. his post-fight interview where he shouted out his girlfriend or wife, the love of his life, and simultaneously shitted on his mother, which I thought was a huge red flag, and I cracked up laughing because it was so weird. But did you hear his post-fight interview? Weird. Yeah, it was kind of weird. The first time I've ever heard, you know, somebody, you know, I suppose in the in the UK, so close uh, or, or so close to Mother's Day, Actually, you know, <laughs> ratting out their, their mom right. for not being My mom there. never it, it loved me, weird. so I love my girlfriend because she loves me more than my own mother did. Wow, to say that on a broadcast and not in a in the seat with the therapist at Couples Therapy. Wow, yeah. to say that and not in a therapist's office on national TV. And then he told everybody his brother just got out of jail and it was all good. And it was just, <laughs> I loved it, though. It was, you know, it was hood fabulous. <laughs> Something deep down inside tells me maybe they're being given a nudge to push forward um, lifestyle stories because, you know, it's, it's, this isn't far removed from, yeah, and uh, these two men haven't seen their daughters in, uh, yeah. or haven't seen their children in a while. You, they're having custody battles. <laughs> you might be on to something because every week we get some type of strange narration, whether it's from John Anik or perhaps yeah. or perhaps production is pointing them in the right direction. Like, hey, don't forget to call someone out. Also, maybe you might mm. want to talk about somebody that's very special to you. Go. And then you have someone like Alonzo, maybe, who's not like prepared or trained in, in, in this type of speaking. And it's just like, all right, no doubt. Yo, I can't stand my moms and I love my girl. Like, <laughs> it was just pretty interesting. But just don't like UFC, if you're going to goad them in a certain direction, you might also want to train them to have the wherewithal to give good interviews if they're kind of pushing them in that direction. But it was a good yeah. laugh, though, Mike. You can't front. Oh man, yeah, you, you, you're right. It was it was a weird flex. Yes. Okay, so you actually went in um, with 
what took place just before the main card started. I'm going to go back to the start of the prelims, which was Marc-Andre Barriol um, versus Abu Azatar. Mm. Now, this was a great start to the card. This, I think, set us up for some really tasty prelims. Azatar was actually um, leading, I, I think, um, throughout his kind of like uh, forward motion with like unchecked inside low kicks. And I, I really do admire his high pace. If you notice, it was kind of relentless. And that kind of like set up what was going to come next. Barrio was given as good as he was getting there. And um, because of that high pace, it looked as though Abu Azatar um, burned himself out. And uh, if you noticed, and I, 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 for some reason, took it upon myself to um, listen with the volume at normal, um, uh, uh, well, not normal um, volume. Um, and, and Joe kind of like called it, Azatar's leg was stiffening up and you could see it. And in the second round, he was really, really slowing down. The third, when those elbows were dropping, I mean, basically it was elbow sitting when he got him on his back. Mm -hmm. Barrio was smashing Azatar into the ground. Now, that kind of like ferocious, prolonged beating, man, it was hard to watch. Yeah. But that, I really did feel, warranted fight of the night or at least some kind of bonus they got nothing no but mike can you really be upset that uh tyrone woodley and luke got fight of the night and performance of the night went to francis and sean o'malley like those are really good fights too though and but i see your I, point I, I they you. should get they should get some type of like under the table behind the backstage or in the locker Thank room you. bonus yes they should get a couple mm. extra dollars for it because i feel you mm. that this wasn't a tremendous uh you know knockout technical knockout but at the same time the performances i just mentioned were to die for but we'll get into it when we get into the main card but i feel you did, did i did i did i have a, a case of mistaken identity or was was my eyes deceiving me but was 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 that Abdel, abdelaziz was he in the corner i'm i'm not sure am i, I making this up <laughs> <laughs> listen bro I told you this, this this COVID vaccine got me messed right, up. Right, right. You're all delirious now. <laughs> but you know, Mike, um, I'll say this. As far as Azatar's performance, I did appreciate the first round, and I loved his high pace. I loved that he came out swinging. Yeah. I loved that he commanded, you know, his presence. He commanded the control. Like, I'm the guy that's going to, you know, control this fight. I'm going to go first. But what happened was he hasn't fought since 2018, and I'm thinking a little bit of ring rust might have messed up how much of his gas tank he depleted in the first round. Like, I don't think he paced himself well enough, and I attribute that to ring rust, meaning, like, you haven't been in there in a while, so you kind of shot your load mm -hmm. a little too early, and it bit you in the end when, you know, his opponent, Baralt, was able to capitalize, mount him, and just crush him. You know what I'm saying? Even though yeah. Abu was fighting so well. I just don't think he managed his cardio well and because he's rusty. So I think maybe like get him a fight right away. If he's not too injured or whatnot, get shake, get that rust off him and put him in another fight right away on the prelims and soon. And we'll, we'll get him in proper form, you know, because he's got if dynamite. If I remember rightly, go ahead. If I remember rightly, I mean, the, the ref personally, I feel could have stepped in a lot sooner than he did but we've literally like must have been about four seconds to spare in the in the last round you know it, it was being waved off but 
Nah, for me, that was like a relentless smashing, which could have been stopped Pretty, way earlier. Am I, am I being no, kind of like been real sensitive No, here? it could have been stopped earlier because even myself, when I was watching it, I was like, I want Abu to tap, even though I know he would never do something like that. But I wanted him to tap because you could just tell that exhaustion was just too much for him and he was giving into the exhaustion like he didn't even, yeah. even have the energy to try to scramble back on his feet he's just blocking the blows that are coming down you don't see him trying to sweep you don't see him trying to you know get into a better position even though he's on his back getting hit he was too tired so i'm like does the ref see his depleting energy and the fact that it's affecting you know these punches that that's why they're raining down so much on him like call the fight bro like he's too tired to fight and to defend himself but 100 yeah he just needs nah, to shake definitely. those cobwebs off mike and, and get a fight real soon and, and get back into the swing of things that's all <laughs> okay what floated it for you then um Mike, did you want me to redo my Alonzo Menafield segment or jump into another? Um... No, jump into another one. We're, we're, we're good. Okay, perfect. I'll, I'll edit that bit. Okay. So, Mike, let me ask you a question. Did you see the interview of um, Jared Gooden? And I forget which MMA media broadcast it was, but he they asked him what did he think of his opponent's fighting style, Nurmagomedov, which is Khabib's cousin. And, of course, we know... You know, if you related to Khabib and you from Dagestan, we already know that's a wrestling-heavy style. All about the wrestling. Yeah. yeah. So when they asked Jared, hey, what do you think of his wrestling-heavy style and probably that being the game plan, Jared referred to... <laughs> Jared referred to Surprise, his... Nigga. <laughs> Jared <laughs> referred to his game plan as... Um, you know, homo, like homo neurotic. He said it reminded him of yeah. gay porn when I was like, whoa, wow. what does gay sex have to do with a Dagestan wrestling heavy style? And if that. No, I didn't see this. Yes, he, 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 he said he was like, me. oh, it's the typical same old, you know, gay porn type of performance. You know, these guys like to wrestle and all they like to do is take you to the ground and and have gay porn type of stuff. And I was just like, whoa, mm. first and foremost, like, what do the gays have to do with this and their sex? Like, why did you bring them into this conversation? Secondly, why? Yeah, it was like a weird flex. Like, where did where does gay sex have to do anything with this? And I mm. thought it was not only disrespectful to gay people, but disrespectful to like martial arts and wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, why is it like dirty or pornographic for someone to kind of want to wrestle you and do it well? And I just thought that was fucked up. And I think it's also a sleazy way to get into Nurga uh, Gometov's head as well. I think he said that to bother mm. him and to get into his head. And I think it worked. Yeah. You know why? Here's why. Um, Abu did not <laughs> wrestle last night. No. And I think he heard and what you said. his hands were pretty tasty. Yes. I think he heard what he mm. said and was like, oh, you really think I'm some gay boy that's going to wrestle you? Well, no. How about I outbox you? And which he did. And what I loved about yeah. his performance is that not only did he outbox him, but in the third round, he knew, oh, now it's time to wrestle. You're tired. You're getting tired of me beating you up. How about I secure this <laughs> win with a takedown? And now you're too tired to even try to scramble and get up. That is fucking genius. And yeah. one more thing about Jared Gooden's um, performance. It looks like to me he's the type of guy that goes in with a game plan, right? And when that game plan doesn't work, he don't know what to do. He thought that Abu was going to wrestle fuck him. And he tried to get in that man's head. And instead, mm. Abu was like, we're going to flip the game plan. 
And Jared didn't know what to do with that. And I'm when I see fighters that can't adjust to their own game plan or when they're like, shit, what I trained isn't working, you got to work on that. I think that's just a genius or an, a fight IQ level that you just don't have. And Jared doesn't have it. If the guy is going to stand and bang with you, what adjustments are you going to make, bro? You can't just stick to the fact yeah. that I think he's going to come in for a takedown and stay with that same stance, keep your hands low and get ready for him to rush you when he's not rushing you. You got to you got to switch it up. You got to switch up your game plan. Jared couldn't do it. He lost. That's two in a row. We'll see if we see Jared come back. I didn't care for his comments. So if the UFC cuts him, fuck him. Mm, you're right and um, I have to say that is faith in your cardio the uh, the approach that Nomad took because that was relentless for all three rounds it was like kind of like in your face come forward style yeah. wrestling and stand up yeah. and it was constant and I, and I love that finally he was like oh it's time to wrestle to ensure that I win this fight in the third round and I yeah. want the judges to see me on top of you as this fight closes out that is just pure brilliance and beautiful fight IQ for the mope that doesn't know what to do with you because you switched up the game plan. Very, very, very smart um, strategic plan. And it's a big fuck you to your gay comments too. Yep, 100%. You know, speaking of relentless and uh, come forward style, that leads me on to Modestus Bukowskis and Mm -hmm. Mikhail Olienchuk. Now, I love the great spinning attacks, the kicks, the back fists from Bukowskis. Uh, loved it. Olienchik was great, you know, brilliant forward pressure. But for me, that was like a missed opportunity. I'm not sure if you saw, but that forward pressure broke Bukowskis. I think it was the second round where he landed like a really great body shot. And you could see him like physically, well, you could see Bukowskis. He was visibly shook. And like what he chose to do, <laughs> it was kind of weird, Olienchik. He chose to go for a single leg straight after you could see, like, you know, Bukowskis wincing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, for me, I mean, still sticking with weird. This was also weird to me as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't agree with that decision. And I have to say... I didn't either. I have to put my set, I, I've got to put my hands up when it does come to this. It's, it's twofold. One, I'm biased. But that's just Bukowskis representing... Uh, the UK obviously I, I'm gonna be leaning towards him but mm-hmm. I just think his output was um, bigger I thought his output was more consistent I thought his pressure was was, was absolutely amazing but I, I was struggling to kind of like you know reconcile in my own head and like you know what the judges actually came up with in terms of their scores because I just feel he was more dominant and he landed more strikes and it made me think, well, okay, what were they looking at? Because that was way off being way off course. That was kind of like a weird decision. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that um, Michelle got got the um, Michelle got the nod. I was like, wow, I really thought. Um, and Michelle, meaning um, yes, not Modesta, Michelle. I got their names confused. Their first names. Yes, I was shocked that he got the nod because I clearly thought. Um, your man, Bukestas, he won two rounds to, to Michelle's one. I just thought that was kind of yeah. obvious. And yeah. um, I just think that, you know, um, 
Michelle landed the harder shots. I did notice that his significant shots were like noticeable. And I think the judges gave him the fight because he was doing that come forward pressure, which gave you the impression or the illusion, however you want to take it, that he was Mm. the aggressor and always in the middle of the octagon and coming forward. And you know some judges are still obsessed with how when a fighter controls the fight. And a lot of times Bukakis was like kind of sticking and moving, but it looked like he was not the aggressor, even though he was doing all those flashy kicks. It was just my man, Michelle stayed in his face. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's what the judges saw, but I'm going to be honest with you, yo. I I straight up think that um, Bukakis won that fight. And I think Daniel Cormier said the same thing. He thought, he thought um, Bukakis won. Well, that, that's, again, another weird aspect of this fight and the outcome because I found for a large part of this when, you know, they announced it, the decision, I found, especially Joe, Joe was kind of like justifying, well, I think it might have been down to um, maybe the the the, 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 the actual strength of, of, the, of the shots or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's basically justifying it on, you know, the performance of what I didn't agree with. Um, I, I I I was struggling to kind of like again ag- agree in my head that what I had seen matched what was actually on the I scorecard. Just, I just think they're fighters that have the ability to look like they're winning a fight when they're not. And this might have happened last night. You know, I seen Carla Sparza does it. John Jones does it. How many times do we talk about, did he win that fight? That was pretty close. But there are some people mm. that are really good at poker faces and being like having presence in the octagon, being being the person that comes out in the middle and, and you're forcing the exchanges, even though you're losing all of the exchanges, but you're the one that's forcing them. And I think a lot of judges think that when you're the person forcing the action, you're the person that stays in the opponent's face whether you're winning or you're th- you're not you're not landing as many punches because you look like you're winning you're in this guy's face you look like the bully and i think that's what happened last night but i'm no judge or maybe it's what dominic cruz says mike he's always complaining that there's always at least one boxing judge in that booth fucking up the scorecards you know <laughs> so there's always that theory so true know. true yep main card Jamie Malarkey versus Karma Worthy. What did you make of this? Man, I picked Worthy, and I picked Worthy over Jamie. Same. I picked Worthy <laughs> over Jamie because one, it's a little bit of like bias. I'm a, you know, I like Worthy, and I love how he speaks in interviews. He's very captivating and mm. very real. Mm. He is the opposite of performative. When he speaks, you're just like, that's Karma Worthy. That's who he is. You know what I mean? And I love that about a fighter. He's authentic. So I picked him. I like the dude. He's got dynamite in his hands. But I forgot that Jamie Malarkey also has dynamite in his hands. And what did he, before losing his um, his last fight, what, he had like four knockouts in a row or type shit or something? Like, he's a, four KOs yeah, in the row. Yeah, I right. forgot he was a fucking KO artist. And he clearly reminded mm. me because he came out in the first round and he folded comma worthy. And I love the way he came in. He came in defensively sound with like his elbows up to make sure that he was like not going to get hit as he cut the distance. And then he nails him, drops Kama in this weird way. Kama folds, looks all crazy. And then Jamie just obliterates him. And I just couldn't believe it. But great matchup. Shout out to the matchmakers. That was a really good, evenly well-matched fight, bro. What'd you think? Just 
just like you, I went with Karma Worthy and I like the, the guy. dumbest yeah. reason ever. It is because I like the guy and He's good. his nickname, the Death, the Death Star. Mm-hmm. But I have to keep reminding myself that the Death Star in both Star Wars movies got destroyed, just like Karma Worthy got destroyed last night. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and not for nothing. Like, <laughs> Mike, we do we do like Kama, right? Like, we're biased, but also too, we've seen him fight. He's got dynamite in his hands, so you know, at any point, this guy can knock anybody out. And even though he lost, um, I believe this is what two in a row now. Maybe he's lost. I still think he has a shit ton of potential in him. All he has to do is address like his defensive holes, as far as what's getting him knocked out. And continue yeah. with his training, his camp, and whatnot. I think he's just the dude that's going to learn from his mistakes because he's a really good fighter. And they need to promote him. I'm really captivated by his interviews. Like Fans will be able to connect with him because he's so authentic. Well, good for Malarkey anyway. I mean, coming off two losses, Fuck he yeah. really did need that win, didn't he? Yes, yes. And I like his performance. I like the fact that like he's coming off two losses. He is a KO artist. And mm. he reminded us that he is a KO artist and he did it, he, excuse me, did it. He did it in very quick fashion. Like he made a statement. <laughs> I like that. I know it. he did it. Like what the fuck is wrong with me? Um, but he did it. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't just work like a, he didn't get a close decision. There was no controversy. He came out in the first round and reminded everybody that he's a KO artist against another KO yeah. artist. That, that is a mm. really, really, you know, impactful statement for him. And he needed to make that statement and hats off to him for his performance. It was brilliant. Yep, yep. Speaking of hats off, hats off to you. Gillian Robertson versus Miranda Maverick. You call this and you call this with your chest. And I was like, I'm not going to lie. When you said it, I, I, I thought maybe she made a mistake on her picks and she really meant to pick Gillian Robinson, yep. but she's going wrong and strong and she's really sticking by it. But... You picking Miranda Maverick, I, 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 I'm hoping to get a bit more insight in this because Maverick pretty much controlled the stand-up. And um, when he got to the ground as well, she defended well, stayed patient and calm. And there was no panic in her, despite, you know, Robertson's um, adjustments. It was like a consistent kind of adjustment on top of adjustment. But she was like way calm. So... What did I miss? Why was it that I, I, I stupidly went with Gillian Robertson? Well, you know, Mike, I think it's just somebody that flew under your radar. And it's just, once again, you have to watch the prelims for these up-and-coming, surging mm. prospects. And that's what I saw. Yes, she, you know, at the time, what she, you know, she was like eight and two. And yeah, she doesn't really have this like extenuous you know, career, she seems like a new kind of prospect, like we're calling her, but I I see a lot of potential in her. First and foremost, she's fucking huge. Did you see the muscles in her wide back? I'm sure she's stronger than an ox, so how about that would be a problem? She's got, she's pretty much quite top heavy. Yeah, like And her arms are massive. Right, like she's 125 pounds, but she's a brick fucking wall, and I think she gave Mm. Jillian problems with her strength. But what I love so much, and I think what we need to pay attention to most, is that Jillian's scrambling and grappling did give her a problem but what i liked is as the fight went on she was able to outscramble her and and then defend soundly on the ground which is 
which is pretty cool if you can do that against Jillian Roberts because that is her bread and butter. So for this top yeah. prospect to kind of shut down a grappling ace, an artist, a woman that is known to throw up like a Hail Mary armbar when, when you, you drag her deep into the trenches and, and, and she didn't drown. And in fact, she beat her at her own game, says a lot, man. I think if they develop Shorty right, we're going to see somebody that's going to have like a lot of potential here. You know, if they don't rush her to the champ, if they don't rush her to elite competition, they can build this beast. And I'm hoping they do. No, I'm with you there. Sean O'Malley versus Thomas Almeida. Thoughts? Uh, Let's hear it. No, no, I want you to go first because it's like... Okay. I I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this and I'm going to sink your boat. But go ahead. (laughs) Okay. I was shocked, surprised, and stunned that Almeida was still standing after that kick in the first because that kick stung him. That was like literal shin bone on jaw bone. And walk-off KOs are my favorite thing about this sport, but maybe just a little bit too previous having seen, you know, what happened there and um, him walking off and the ref be like, well, you you still got work to do. Let's, uh, let, let's work. Yeah. Now... To, to be honest with you, um, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like Sean O'Malley wasn't giving out his own leg kicks, but he didn't seem to have learned his lesson and he wasn't actually defending them when he was actually receiving them. But, you know, great recovery from Almeida, but he got KO'd rightly in the third because you could see that you know that had actually affected him and for me I I just I just love the fact that you know O'Malley is back I I know this is probably not popular opinion but I love his shtick I love the fact that he needles people I love the fact that he's out there and I I love the fact that you know he, he takes his chances and I love the fact that he's so cocky with it this guy is kind of I'm watching him to see him get KO'd or I'm watching him to KO someone. He's he's that type of like needling character. Yeah, I mean, listen, I enjoy Sean O'Malley being in the UFC, regardless of how I feel about his personality, his manners or his fighting style, which I think was made to be exposed. Like, I understand mm. everybody's high up on his performance. Why? Because it was flashy as fuck and it was beautiful and it kind of showed what he's good at and, and, and why he's so talented. And here it is, Mike. He is the master at range and fighting his fucking fight. That's that's the key mm. to Sean O'Malley. He keeps you on the outside and, and at the end of his punches and kicks beautifully. Notice he was always in range to kick Thomas Almeida straight from shin to face. It was beautiful because he always knows where to be to land these very specific shots and they're accurate. Why? Because of the range and he keeps your ass at the range that he is most comfortable. But hear me out. When somebody mm. figures out how to come in on him, like Cheeto Vera did, they're going to beat his ass. There are plenty of holes in Sean O'Malley's game. Did you notice his reliance on feints and how dramatic yeah. these feints are? I've never seen anybody kind of like jostle someone so much just to get them to bite on something. And also, does that contribute to his ankle and, and leg is- issues? Does all that herky-jerky movement make him susceptible to injury? I think so, and I've heard other podcasters discuss that as well. 
And last of all, like I said, once you figure out the range, man, you can beat him up. And also too, wait for the day where he is trying to get a walk-off KO and it doesn't happen. The fighter gets up, recovers, and knocks his ass out because it's gonna happen. <laughs> it's Thomas almost did it, bro. Like there was a point where Thomas recovered and and hit Sean really hard. And I remember thinking, yeah. and I remember thinking, Thomas Almeida right now has a lot of problems. Okay, we all know this. This is why we picked Sean to win. Thomas Almeida is not the fighter he used to be. Okay, he's not the striker he used to be. Something happened to him when he took that long layoff, and he's not the same anymore. So we knew mm -hmm. Sean was going to win. Mm -hmm. This was a fastball down the middle, and that is why you saw Sean O'Malley pick his shots and outclass him. But the day he gets a ranked opponent or an elite opponent, it is going to be a far more competitive fight when they figure out, I'm not going to let Sean fight his fight. And the day Sean is more you know, obsessed with like pleasing his fans and getting that walk off and he fucks it up. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. And I can't wait. I love him, Ben. <laughs> like, I can't wait. This is just pure entertainment. The writing's on the wall, bro. He's uh, going to do a walk off and be like, oh shit, the fight's not over. And that same person's going to get up and knock his head off. I put money on it. You're, you're probably right because... You know, the whole walk-off KO thing, it's lovely for your highlight reel, but fans, um, not so right. good. Yeah, not so good when you actually haven't actually finished the fight, as in what happened last night. But and he did it I twice, correct? I want to ask you a question. Like he, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah, he did. The first time he walked off, put his hands out and thought he won, and then the ref was like, you're not mm. done. And the second time was when he shoved Thomas to the floor and didn't realize that Thomas did a roll and kept his eyes on Sean and was being defensively sound, and Sean thought the mm. fight was over. No. <laughs> wait till somebody get up, recover, clinch with you, and then beat your ass for that shit. I can't wait. But I've got a question for you, though. I, I said that, you know, and I, 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 I stand by it. I said it with my chest. Sean O'Malley is the type of character, is the type yes. of fighter that I love. Because he's coming in there with a, a brand. He's coming in yep. there with a personality. He's coming in there with this. I'm watching him to um, go out on his shield, or I'm going out or I'm going to, to actually watch him and I want to watch him actually um, get knocked he, the fuck he out. He is the epitome now, of entertainment fighter. Like, from how he looks, it, the exactly. tattoos, to how he talks, his hipster personality, the controversy with women and heroin. And <laughs> he's it. See, that's what I was, that was, that was going to be the, the, the second part of my question. Did that whole kind of like discussion around drugs heroin and you know him being on in, in in on that misogynistic conversation and um, that was aired on on the podcast did that kind of like um well for you kind of um <laughs> well take him off your, your 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 favorites list as it were i mean i just think that i mean i don't dislike him you know, and I love um, the fact that he's in the UFC, but I can't say that I feel like I'm not a fan of his. No, I can't connect mm. to his personality at all. I don't find it like attractive or warm. You know, I don't want to warm it up to him knowing that like, you know, when he sees a woman during an interview, he doesn't know to, you know, kind of mute his mic to say that she's pretty. Just basic manners. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's on a podcast. Mm talking about M Megan Anderson. And to be, like I said before, I say it all the time, call me what you want. We all engage in locker room talk, but Sean O'Malley should have edited that out. It's called manners mm -hmm. and he doesn't have them. And, and you know, that's gonna put off fans. 
but I don't hate the guy. And guess what? I love watching him fight, and I love all his bullshit yeah. antics. You, you know what I mean? Like the walk-off KO, look what we're talking about. What type of fighter takes that type of risk? And the moment that risk doesn't work for you, the fans will turn on him, and I will wait and tweet about it and enjoy this this time in MMA. I can't wait. It's just drama will unfold with him, and that's what we like. Mm-mm. I can't wait. You know, moving on to Vicente Luque and um, Tyron Wait Woodley. a minute, wait a minute. I got uh, a question for you, Mike. Oh, okay. What do we do with Thomas Almeida, and do you think he ever comes back to his winning form? Put it this way, um, I, I, I was kind of like thinking when you were speaking about him um, not being on job and not being um, top form. How, how is that possible when you saw, as everybody else did, him eat that knee and recover and come back? So um, I, I wouldn't write him off yet. Yeah. I, I don't see Thomas Almeida being thrown to the scrap heap. But as to what you do next... Who mm, knows, yeah. Off the top of my head, I'd, I'd have to really kind of like, you know, take a take a, take a a deep look into that because I, I really, off the top of my head, couldn't tell you. Yeah, me too. I don't know who his next opponent should be, but I think his next opponent yeah. is himself. You know, like, they really need to go back to the drawing board and figure out, like, really? what is happening here. Yeah, this man was a, a killer, a shark. And then he got injured, he came back, and he's just not the same. I don't want to see him going down the same route as like Barrow or somebody, you know, or like a Eric Silva, somebody that we were high up on and now just is terrible. Like, I'd hate to see that. So I hope he goes back to the drawing board and just figures out how does he get back to that winning killer form, you know? I think you're being really harsh. And I think you're kind of overlooking possibly the fact that Sean O'Malley put in a clinic last night Be- in terms of spin kicks, in terms no, no, of angles, w- in terms of basically being on point, Sean, on job. He was able to do that because his opponent allowed for it to do so. Thomas Almeida, Almeida mm. is a shell of himself and he's not ranked. What did you expect Sean to do? He's, You know what I mean? Like, this was a fastball down the middle. He was given Thomas Almeida for the very performance you saw last night because he's coming off a loss yeah. and he has a brand. And the UFC is well aware of that. So they gave him this opponent so that he would do just what we saw. And I'm telling you, you, you start giving him ranked opponents and shit, somebody going to figure out how to cut that distance and not allow him to fight his game and beat him up like Cheeto did. And I can't wait. And it just adds to, like, why I like Sean O'Malley in the fucking UFC. He's entertaining whether mm-hmm. you like him or not, period. And I want more. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, if if I remember rightly, has Nathaniel Wood fought Thomas Almeida as yet? I'm gonna have to look this one up because yeah, look that up. I, off, um, off, off off the top of my head, that would be a good scrap. And I just think Nathaniel Wood would piece him up. I just think Thomas Almeida doesn't need to come back to fighting until he figures out what the fuck went wrong. Because there's a vast difference from him back in the day to what we saw last night. I appreciate Mm. the fact that his chin is granite and that he's tough. Even Sean in the post-fight interview was like, that's a real tough guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I love his poker face. There were some hard shots in there and the guy kept a high guard and kept coming forward like none of that shit affected him. And it did. So. Okay. 
you asked me who he should face. I'm putting forward Nathaniel Wood. They're both coming off losses now. Mm. Thomas Almeida versus Nathaniel Wood. Book it. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that in the summer. And I would pick. How about I that? would pick Nathaniel Wood, unfortunately, unless Thomas Almeida fixes what's going on in, in, with him. But I would pick Nathaniel Wood. But that would be a good yeah. fight. That's striker versus striker. That'd be dope. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay, so next up, our old friend, Tyron Woodley versus Vicente Luque. Now, oh, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm, you know, out of pocket for saying this, but this is like the fourth fight in a row that Tyron Woodley has lost. Now, I have to admit, and I'm put my hands up to this. I was wrong in that. He hasn't checked out. You look at the aggression that he displayed yesterday. You look at um, old footage of Tyron Woodley, and it was almost as though we were seeing that being resurrected last night. Now, it was good to oh, see that agree. start. I don't agree. Really? No, I think he looked... Um, we've never seen Tyron Woodley that aggressive come forward, and, and, and he's a counter fighter. You know what I mean? He, like, he's measured and, and counter fights people. So when I saw him just come straight towards Vincent, I was like, oh, shit, he's here to fight, finally. You know what I Like, I don't remember yeah. him ever being that... It looked almost aggressive. frantic to me. You, R- really? Yeah. Like, you could tell he was like, I have to fight like this. I'm fitting to lose my job, and I've lost fit. You know what I mean? It looked frantic to me, but I don't. That's just my opinion. I don't know if that's the case or not. But to me, I saw a man that looked frantic, and it was like, fuck it. I'm going to go out on my shield, and I cannot fight like I'm underwater like I have been in the past. I don't know. But that's just it. I mean, when he fought Darren Till, that was the sort of aggressive um, sort of persona that I, I saw but there. But it was just I, so confident. But like when he fought Darren Mike, didn't he seem mm. so confident and cool and just like, I'm going to go out there and handle business? The Woodley I saw last night was more of a, I got to fight this guy, like desperation. It wasn't confident. It was like, I'm going to do something that I normally don't do, which is just come straight forward and be the aggressor and not the counter fighter that I'm usually am. Does that make sense? It, it does, but I, I'm talking about the way in which he kind of like it was almost as though he was a fighter the last again. Three yeah. fights, yes. Yeah. Thank you. you, thank you for articulating it yeah. succinctly and to the point. He was a fighter yeah. again. I'm arguing it's not the same there. Tyron Woodley fighter that we're used to, but you're just like, yo, my man came out to fight like he was a fighter to bat. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now, now we meet eye to eye. I get that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I've got. I've got to admit that it was horrible to see him literally out on his feet. I mean, I was proud. Talk of him. about yeah. you know, talk about hanging in there, and to, to see him like you know almost choked unconscious. Man, there is no way he hangs on to his position in the UFC. I mean, that's four no. fights in a row. I mean, he's no Dan Hardy, and um, I can't think of any reason why the UFC would actually you know have him hanging around remember this is the same Tyron Woodley who you know in terms of negotiation in terms of contract negotiations caused Dana problems in the past and um Dana Dana remember shit like that they're already so I'll be very surprised Dana's already and alluding is, to cutting him Mike I saw the post-conference fight he's alluding to it he ref he yeah. referenced Tyron's age his age he gave him mm. compliments for going out on his shield and fighting like a warrior which is true 
but Dana was already had the built-in excuse with the age and he hasn't looked good in a while and four fights in a row. You know what that means. And also Tyron is not cheap. And to be honest with you, yeah. for the first time, I agree with Dana. I don't know if I want to see Tyron Woodley fighting anymore. I get that we got excited to see him fighting like a warrior and to see him as a fighter. But like, he can't do that every fight. It looked like he was fighting himself to me. Like he had to do something that he normally doesn't do, which is just be that aggressive and fight with his back against the wall like that. Like, I don't know if I want to see that. And Dana's right. He's getting older, you know, but we'll see. Someone told me they were like, I bet you he, he might be going to Bellator or something like that. Maybe they want to pay I was about to him. say. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean... I know he's already matched up, but could you imagine for his farewell fight, you know, Paul Daly revisiting the scene of the crime and we have Paul Paul Daly versus Tyron Woodley too. Can you imagine that? Yeah, even even in their older ages that's gets me excited. But I will say this There you go. Yes, exactly. So and there's plenty of matchups. I think for Tyron in Bellator, but I'm unsure if I want to see him keep fighting the way that he is fighting. Tyron Woodley has to develop that. You know what? I'm getting older. I need to fight differently and mm. fight smarter. He cannot just stick to relying on his right hand and, and and just waiting to counter you. He's not as fast as he used to be. You saw last night no. he couldn't he couldn't nail that knockout punch that you know he nailed with Darren Till and other folks that he you know he just wasn't that guy last night even though he tried so hard but I was proud of his performance out of all of Woodley's win wins and fights this was my favorite performance of his because he went out like a soldier but enough about Woodley you can't play them games against Vincent Luque he's got the chin of granite Mike you can't you can't he he ate Tyron Woodley's right hand even though he was on skates and then what did I say on shots fired People don't listen to me when I talk, Mike, and I'm going to pat myself on the back right now. I wish you could see me. I listen. What did I say on Shots Fired? I said Luque is a problem on the ground and that his jiu-jitsu yeah. is underrated. And because he prefers mm -hmm. violence and likes to stand and bang, people don't remember that Preach. he can fucking submit you off his back and yep. on top of you. I said it last week on Shots Fired. And what the fuck did we see? A Darsh choke. Amen. A Darsh, not even some easy arm bar or a simpler submission. Darsh choke. Why? Because Vincent Luque is a beast on the ground. People don't know it. Told y'all. Told y'all. Well, you know it. Yeah, man. <laughs> told y'all. You tried to warn us. Yup. And I think right now, Vincent Luque is going from. I was the violent guy on the prelims that the fans mm -hmm, like to watch mm -hmm, to now mm -hmm. the guy that yeah. I'm on the cusp of a title shot and people are paying attention to me and they like my fighting style and I'm all for it. Consider that to me, an, <laughs> uh, um, what's it called? Like a breakout performance. Yeah. He beat a yeah. former no, champion right. and, and did it in wild, spectacular. He was hurt too motherfucking fashion and submitted him. It's time we put some mm. respect on his name and we give him harder fights now. I know Wonder Boy schooled him, but let's let's keep putting him with elite guys. Or fun guys. I like the fact that Vincent said in the post conference he wants to fight Masvidal. How much fucking fun would that be? Yeah. You, yeah. You, no, no, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. What do you think of his performance, uh, Mike? Let's talk about Luca. No, 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 you were right. You were absolutely right. In terms of performance, it, you called it. And, you know, 
you're right you do need to get your flowers for that and we need to kind of like loud the volume up with you when you're actually you know telling us things that we're kind Man. of like uh <laughs> yeah, ben noticed he was a shark on the ground but you know luke is just so violent that we forget that he's mm. really good on the ground because like he god bless the man he prefers to be violent and, and stand up on the ground he said it in a post-fight interview like he likes to fight strikers and he likes to fight but his jujitsu is good it's i think i believe is a black belt from brazil come on you know what that means you're going to sleep yeah true true yeah. you know i i've got one more question just before we uh head to the main event mm-hmm. tyron woodley um it's kind of clear that we haven't seen the last of him if indeed that this was his uh swan song in terms of um him being a ufc athlete i'd be very shocked and surprised if a major promotion just like bellator didn't actually pick him up but really and truly um do you think there is anything for tyron woodley considering um who he'd be matched up against over in the welterweight division in bellator i think there's some fight left him in him in bellator but unless he needs the money i don't see why he has to he's 39 years old he has other interests outside of mma obviously we might not like his rap music but he has hobbies and other things that he can get into. And I think he still has it in him to fight, but is it really necessary? He's getting older, slower. And this is a fighter that is having a, that he's not Overeem. He's not the guy that's like, let me change my game plan. I'm getting older. He's struggling with that. Mm. He wants to fight the same way he did when he was a kid. He can't do it anymore. And he's having struggle. He's struggling with that. I don't want to see him struggle with, I got to find myself as an older fighter in Bellator. I don't. And that's, and that's the kind of like natural progression of the question because I have a sneaky suspicion that he does need to fight. I've got a feeling that his recent talk of all the money that he put into these music videos, his rap career and the fact that he was out in the club balling it, the fact that he was buying and he couldn't decide on which Rolex to buy so he bought two Rolexes makes me feel this guy needs to keep on fighting remember he's no longer championship pedigree so he's not getting championship pedigree money now fact of the matter is he's got bills to pay and he's got a hell of amount of kids i mean if i remember at last count wasn't it like five or six kids that he's got now all of that does take money i've got a feeling we are going to see him continue to fight yeah i mean i think so i think um he's he t- he's very open and honest about the mistakes he made financially yeah i also think that he loves to fight but i just think like he loves to win you know he likes to be the champion he likes the Mm -hmm. he likes the Mm -hmm. fruit of his labor and i think he's struggling with the fact that he's not that guy anymore but the the struggle is what do you do to get back to being that guy as an older fighter and i think that's where the issue is he wants to fight the way that he wants to fight and he can't do that anymore his age and you know these new and upcoming fighters look at look at not that vincent's far from new people think he's a prospect he's not <laughs> at all but vincent luke is a representation of the new fighters out here that just come correct and well-rounded he can submit you and he can knock you out and his chin is not gone in fact it's made out of granite and he's a problem now tyron woodley struggling with his offense doesn't you know like fighting guys like vincent luke he's gonna get knocked out or submitted so I don't know if yeah. I want to see that as he struggles with his age and whatnot, but 
he's got to support himself. So hopefully he makes the yeah, right exactly. decision. Maybe PFL. Don't they have like that million dollar, you know, tournament or something or LFA? I, I'm confusing the organizations, but like he doesn't have to they go to do, Bellator. They do, but the... You know? Yeah, the, the the brackets are set, so he wouldn't be kind of like slotted in very easily or at all. So it does look as though it wouldn't be PFL, well, for this season anyway. But, you know, speaking of, um, I mean, themes as well, speaking of um, misjudged what we were expecting or what I was definitely expecting uh, i was expecting mega Madoff to come in and wrestle he didn't wrestle i was expecting woodley to come in and be timid and be half-assed about his approach to fighting and he wasn't i was expecting as we are now onto the main event steve emiotic versus francis ngani i was expecting francis ngani to come in there with his looping punches his wild um attempts at actually you know connecting none of that this was the most patient the most mature performance i've ever seen of ingani there were no wild looping shots they were just like strategic shots beautifully kind of like precise as well nothing was wasted and his takedown defense exquisite his wrestling iq as well all of this kind of like threw me for a loop i was like who is this guy who is mature inganu who is who is calm inganu because that's who we saw last night. And that finish was frightening. He could have stayed there for me and just worked off the jab all night. And that would have been money for him. But no, I mean, really and truly, that jab, that jab was a jab of death. Because <laughs> that, that, the, way, the way in which he kind of like pounded, and it was only one, albeit that, like the, 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 that, that finishing blow... I really didn't think was necessary because that jab already finished. That, but that's how he it's works. Incredible yeah. and frightening to see. Yeah, yeah like that finishing Absolutely. blow. What did you make of it? That finishing mm. blow comes with the product. That is just Francis Ngannou. I mean, I think I've seen that finishing blow on everybody. He's killed standing up. <laughs> you know, so yeah, he gets the job done. And it's really one of those fighters where the referee needs to be close once they start exchanging because that finishing blow is coming. But enough of that finishing blow. I thought his performance was the performance we should be talking about. It was it was beautiful, and it caught me mm. off guard. Um, as much as I like to tap myself on the back when I'm right, I also like to eat crow when I'm fucking wrong. Let me tell you something. I picked Stipe like I knew, like I'm God. Like I could see into the future and just saw that he was going to repeat same. the same performance. Do you know why we thought mm. that, Mike? Let me explain to you why. None of us thought that Stipe was going to show improvements because we haven't seen them. We are, we are assholes that are not there when we watch Francis train. Just because he was yeah. knocking people out in the first round and we weren't able to see the scrambling, the, the cool, collective, measured Francis, doesn't mean that's not what he was training to be. And I think me, you, and all the fans that picked Stipe and Stipe's camp assumed that Francis Ngannou was going to fight the same way he fought last time. And Stipe had nothing for him because he trained for the old Francis. And that's why we picked him too. And that is why, um, what, Stipe had like no output except for maybe that little punch he landed right before, that wobbled Francis before he saw his own death. I don't, I don't yeah. remember too much offense from Stipe. 
Like, my God, like Francis went out there, was calm, cool, and measured. Who who would have thought he was going to mm-hmm. come out like that when he came out against Jared like he was on rabies? He was out of control with Jared, with um, Rosenstruck. Just like you, i got to eat crow, though, because oh I thought I had the measure of the man. I thought that, you know, this was Mr. Wild Looping Punches with no strategy at all apart from just to bellow forward. But no, that whole takedown defense threw me for a loop and the wrestling IQ. I mean, he at one point, he almost took, I think he took um, Miochik's back and was wailing on him from behind. It was absolutely terrifying. Right. But yeah, surprised me. Surprised me big time. Yeah, it, it, it's just because, Mike, like I said, the Francis we thought was going to show up, the one that rushes people, the one that doesn't take his time, the one that gets out-wrestled and doesn't manage his cardio. I think, Stipe, me and you, we thought that's the Francis that was going to show up, and instead we got a calm, yeah. cool, measured, and collective <laughs> fucking Francis, man. Like, he didn't rush him. He picked his shots. And then, I'm sorry, his boxing was flawless. I saw, like, a triple jab and to cut the distance and then to come over the top with that right hand that stunned Stipe. Beautiful entrance to cutting the distance. Oh, my God. Like, please pay attention to his boxing. It is even much improved. I was just complaining about how he's not a technical fighter. And then he goes in there, and he was the most technical I've ever seen him. And what? Oh, and of course he was technical. He was fighting a Golden Gloves boxer. Of course he couldn't just come out there and be all sloppy with it the way he was with Rosenstruck. He had to be tight. This was a flawless performance that I did not see coming, and I'm happily eating crow. But, Mike... I'm sad for Stipe. What a loss. What a, what a loss. You saw the pictures, man? Looks like he died. It, uh, I, you know? Uh, it looks so bad. I, and then I, his I, knee I, going I, bouncing backwards like that. He hit the back of his head. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Just kind of broke I, my heart. I got a lot of... I got a lot of uh, sorry for Stipe kind of like tweets and kind of like sentiment. Man, this is the fight game. People lose. <laughs> no, no, I agree with Man, you. No. I agree with you. It was just more like the way in which Stipe lost. It was a very dramatic fight, bro. Like mm-hmm. fucking Francis, I think it was like a straight left that just threw Stipe against the cage. Francis comes barreling forward and is unleashing on him. And then the next thing you know, he hurts Stipe. And then Stipe hurts him. And then the fight's over. Francis lands something. And then Stipe falls backwards in this way that makes his knee look like it pops and then he hits the back of his head for someone that we were just calling the goat and picking so strongly and confidently that was ugly bro his wife is in the stand you know in in the kit and she was there bro i watched the embedded my heart broke and stipe's a good dude you don't want to you know and then my after stipe lost i don't know if you noticed this but he tried to get up quickly to show that he was okay and he wasn't Nah, it was definitely yeah. wobbly. And they tried to keep him down for some reason. I, I don't know why, but, you know, he, he thought it was a good idea to stand you know, up. You know, he, he wants to known. show the world he's okay. after, And I don't blame wow. him. That's ego. And a lot of fighters do that. They're like, I'm all right, I'm all right. But they're falling over and Herb's holding them up like what we saw last night. Mm-mm. I get it. It's ego. And you do. And then, like, your family's in attendance. Your family's watching. The last thing you want to do is act like you're severely injured. You probably do want to get up and show your wife, I'm okay. So not as bad as you think. So I don't blame them for that. And also, too, is he in his right mind? When Francis Zangano did that sprawl and he out-scrambled Stipe, not only did I think Francis had 
um, improved. But I also thought, yo, Stipe's hurt. That's why he's not, the wrestler is not out scrambling the man that learned how to wrestle versus the man that's wrestling yeah, his whole yeah. life. Why? St- fucking Stipe was still rocked. He was hurt. He was hurt. Good point. Yeah, it was. I don't want people to go like, "Oh, did you see that sprawl? Francis now can wrestle." No, it was a beautiful sprawl, but it was very early in the fight when he had the energy and the mm. cardio to do something that he's been training for months and maybe years since fighting Stipe. Okay, but you have to also recognize that when he came over the top and hit Stipe in the head. That is why he was able to sprawl and outscramble the wrestler. He hurt him first. But that's all improvement. The fact that he technically boxed another boxer and then he, and then he fucking hurt him and was able to outscramble the wrestler, flawless and beautiful yeah. technique, Mike. I'm so impressed. So I'm, I respect 100%. Francis Ngannou 100%. I, I was, I was kind of struck by the, the narrative which seems to be unfolding online in that there are three champions now from the motherland. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've yeah, got yeah. Adesanya, uh-huh. we've got Usman, and now we've got Nganu. But given the right wing kind of like contingent, which does exist within, you know, the UFC fan base, do you think we will see a UFC Africa? Uh, man, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I hate when you ask me a question and then I'm like, I don't know. Um, I really don't know, but if I think the opportunity is now, and here's something that people don't realize because they're so fucking ignorant about Africa, Mm. and someone just dumped Mm. this in my mentions. Africa would not only be ideal because you have three international champs, it's also pretty safe in Africa as far as COVID. Because Africa had to deal with a pandemic of such great proportion with Ebola, they have restructured their infrastructure for pandemics, and then it's warmer there, and they're handling the pandemic quite well. Not to say they're not you know, having deaths or anything like that, but they're not drowning like the United States. So one, you could probably yeah. have people in attendance because it's in Africa. And secondly, the, the market is there. You've got Sadiq Yosef coming up. You know what I'm saying? He's about mm-hmm. to fight your man Arnold Allen, by the way. You've, you've mm-hmm. got enough mm-hmm. Africans to like you know, get this going. You can even put the, the white South African that was in his feelings that, you know, there's actual African champs that made it before him. Don't forget um, Driscus Duplessis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, he tried to say True. that he was, you know, going to be the real South African the champ. Best. I think he needs to sit wow. down with that. But you can also put him <laughs> on a prelim or whatnot. You can, there's so many people. And I'm so happy Francis won again and just shut up that, that South African fighter. I couldn't stand when he said that shit. So whether he acknowledges the fact that Usman is, you know, Nigerian American or he wants to represent Nigeria, uh, Francis is the champ and beat you to it, sir. So you can't say none of that shit. But go ahead, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would like to um, see um, UFC Africa. I think it would be progression. I think it would be a real clear signal from the UFC that, look, um, we are all about all races and all creeds. Um, the, the worry for me, though, is, is the backlash from the fan base and, you know, the online comments. I, I, can, I can see them being typed up now, to be honest with you. But time will tell. And... Um, it's just great to see, though, I have to say. And, um, yeah, uh, next up, Nganu versus Jones, hopefully. I mean, that is the one that I really want to see in terms of title defenses. 
I don't want to see, obviously, a rerun uh, or um, Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou 3. I don't want to see that. I want to just straight up, just just go straight to Jones, please. Uh, let's, you, let's, let's go. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, and you already know how I woke <laughs> up this morning. I chose reality and violence, and I tweeted. Yeah. I did. I chose reality and violence, and here's why I did that. You know I keep it real, Mike. We're not seeing that fight, and you know it. We're not seeing that oh, fight. Man. We're not seeing that fight. Yo, he wants Dante Wilder money. He wants to be paid the same way a boxer gets paid. And we all know boxers mm. get paid how much? A lot more than UFC fighters. And Mike, yep. here's the real yep. reason why I think it's going to happen. This just isn't me being assumptuous. I watched the post-fight conference. As soon as the media mentioned John Jones, you know what Dana White said? Hey, John, we can make this fight as soon as possible, meaning you know it's on you. I'm not paying you what you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you could tell Dana White was like, look, Francis won. And we can, he told John, we can make this fight whenever you want. That was him saying, take the fucking price that I offered you. Don't you see the people want mm-hmm. it? Don't you see everybody mm-hmm. wants to see? Mm-hmm. Take what I offer you. That was his smug way of saying that. He was, he was jeering John Jones with that comment. And I picked up on it. We're not seeing it. And then on top of it, Mike, what is, while Dana's making that comment, right? What is John Jones saying on his Twitter page? Oh, pay me my worth, Dana. He's already letting us know that he's asking for an exuberant amount of money. And if Dana wants to fight, it's already begun. You see it? I have a feeling that these discussions have already taken place and that's why we're getting this kind of narrative yes. already pre-planned and ready in, to yeah. trot out. I mean, look how quick, as you say, very astutely observed there, how quick that Dana was... Um, really keen to kind of show look we're ready we're the UFC we make fights happen it's just these fighters they just don't agree to the contracts yep. we put in he's for, got a built in excuse to them. yes yeah. he's got the built in excuse and we all know Dana White has no problems not giving us the fight we want to see because of money did we see Chris Cyborg yeah. or Amanda Nunes it doesn't really matter he'll let fights go through We, you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and, and a better example because I said um, Dana said Dana will let go of fights because of money. That Amanda Nunes and Cyborg is a bad example, but Demetrius Johnson versus TJ is the perfect example. Demetrius Johnson wanted more money in case TJ couldn't make the weight, and he deserved that money. And Dana said no. So, yeah. so, yeah. so uh, DJ said, "I'm not fighting him." And instead, Dana went out and told the media. He didn't want to fight DJ, and I don't know why, but he knew damn well it was about money. (laughs) He will do the same thing with John Jones versus Francis, and he has Francis as the new heavyweight champ. Who is Francis? The hardworking African man that is going to fight anybody Dana puts in front of him or anybody Francis wants to fight. So if if Jones doesn't want to take what he's given as far as pay, they will do Derek and Francis part two, they might even do Stipe rematch. They can move right along without John Jones and he will be left without a job or he will have to cut weight and go back down. And I'm calling that shit right fucking now on the woke cast. Calling it. We're not seeing it, Mike. I'm sorry. You about to see the fight you don't want to see. Derek versus Francis. <laughs> well, as I'm wrapping up the show, tears are streaming down my cheeks because... You've bust my bubble. I've bust my but own bubble. People think that, like, when I talk like this, I'm not sad saying this shit. Like, I don't do this to just hurt y'all feelings. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real, and I'm fucking sad. That's the fight I want to see. Well, what should make uh, everyone happy and um, bring a smile to everybody's faces? We are back. 
midweek with shots fired and that is joined well we're going to be joined as usual by kairos and chisanga in the meantime if you wanted to continue any of the points that we discussed today you can catch me on twitter twitch is the only platform that i mess with i'm at mike tv and ug how can everybody get a hold of you i am at just gina mma but mike before we close the show i have a very important shout mm. out to make lanta brown okay lanta brown i know you listen to this show and i hope you're listening right now you have gone missing and your twitter friends miss you dearly oh so lanta if you don't mind can you go into your ig dms and hit some of us up because some of us are very worried we miss you and we love you so shout out to lanta brown i hope you're listening Oh, wow. Well, thanks for the heads up. I didn't actually know she was missing. And she's one of my favorite followers as well. And her her, her witty retorts, tweets, yeah, and the way the in which she kind of like, she, she breaks down the artwork as well. It's just incredible. No, come but back, you know Lanta what? Brown. We, we, we definitely miss but you. But you know what? I fuck with Lanta. You know why? She deacted, She mm. she left Twitter, but she didn't give a fucking speech saying, hey, um, I'm leaving Twitter. And I can't take this anymore, but I'm, I'm leaving now and then come back five fucking minutes later. She's a grown ass woman. She yeah. took down her page or mm. whatever she did and she didn't give a fucking speech. Oh. But here's the thing, Mike, we miss oh. her. So Lanta, check your IG DMs. People from Twitter miss you. Hit us up, we love you. Ditto. Okay, on that note, we'll catch you midweek on Shot Five. Let it go!